Hello and welcome to episode number 10 of the How to Hobby podcast. I'm your host, John Power, joined once again by the hobbyist extraordinaire, Sean Bennett. Sean, how you doing? I am doing pretty good. How are you doing? Oh man, life is great. Things are happening. Uh, I, I, I broke my finger, I believe, which is, which is <laughs> always good. Right. Um, or, or severely sprained it. And apparently you don't do anything for those injuries. You just let it, let it ride. Yeah. So just if you need to, and just let it heal. It's a, uh, it's, it's a very intense injury that, um, actually it's not, <laughs> it's one of those you, you probably could forget about. Um, how, how did they, it happen? Oh, I fell on the mountain bike, of course. And, um, it, good it, falling. That's, that's, I continue to push um, the boundaries of falling and it's something I, I don't like doing actually, but, uh, I think I'm getting it narrowed. My band for uh, excellence is, is widening, you know? So, or maybe it's shrinking. I don't, I can't actually say, um, but I mean, I'm somewhere in there pushing the gap, pushing the boundaries and we'll, we'll get there one day, man. I'll, I'll, uh, and we do have a full moon bike ride this Thursday. So I'm excited to get out on the road bike. Well, you listeners are probably wondering where has Sean and John been They're They're, they're mysterious. There's something going on behind the scenes. Well, you're right. This is episode 10. So we thought we had to do something big to bring in the close of season one. And for this season, we're joined by none other than my cousin, Quentin Turco, he's an amateur surfer from the Outer Banks, and he's here to let us know and bring us into one of my favorite hobbies, which is surfing. Uh, and tonight's going to be very special. We're going to be able to pick his brain and, and really just enjoy another presence here on the How To Hobby podcast platform. But before we get into that, let's go through what we always do, and that is uh, where to find us, Sean? We have an Instagram at How to Hobby Podcast. Give us a follow if you enjoy this content. You can always always send us a link at our at our Gmail at How to Hobby Podcast at gmail.com. Sean is watching the comms like a hawk, waiting for those questions and uh, and and just overall interest in hobbies. So if you want to send us a, a question to be answered on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us on both of those platforms. And we do have a website as well, howtohobbypodcast.com, where we put up our newest episodes. And that is the best way to get in touch with us. Right, Sean? Well, yeah. Yeah. It's it's where we put all of our content. It's we have the links to all our social media. I'm watching everything. There's a Google form. You can fill out questions. If you want to ask us things, we'll, we'll go ahead and put it in our next episode. We'll answer anything you want. So feel free to reach out to us at the website, Instagram, or Gmail. That's right. All right. Without further ado, we got the one and only Quentin Turco coming on the show. QT, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm stoked to be on here. Thanks for having me, John and Sean. This is uh, this is uh, excited. I'm very excited to be on the show. It's going to be a good time. Well, thanks for coming on. We know it's late there in, in the OBX. For, for those of you that don't know, the OBX, it's actually located on a, on a very small strip of land, right, Quentin? It's, it's right there about as far east as you can go in North Carolina, right? Yeah, it's about as far east as you can go into the Atlantic Ocean. You can't go much farther <laughs> east. <laughs> You're going to need a boat. <laughs> That's right. Next stop is Europe. If you go any farther east, next land you're going to hit. <laughs> well, and you spend a... I, not to spoil anything, but you spend a, a lot of time on the water. So, uh, you know, from boats to surfing to, you know, diving deep into the, into the great blue murky Atlantic ocean. We have the blue water. You guys have the poopy water. <laughs> Definitely. We get those clear days, but they're very few and far in between. <laughs> yeah. I, what, what, how many a year do you get? It depends. You know, in the summer we'll get lucky and we'll have some nice weeks, but uh, it's definitely not as clear as the West Coast. But it's also not as cold as the West Coast. And that's, I don't know, in my opinion, uh, it's a little bit nicer to have the warmth, but. Yeah, but it fluctuates so much. Your weather is so much more consistent, it seems, you know, I mean, it definitely doesn't get as hot over there, but it doesn't get near as cold. You know, I mean, the last week the weather was 
close to the nineties, but then in the wintertime, it'll be down into the thirties. So it's Good Lord. Yeah. Big temperature fluctuations. Same thing, you know, the water gets up into the seventies and goes down into the forties in the winter. So wow. with a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's for sure. And, and before we get into this, where can people uh, give you a follow if they're interested in potentially um, seeing some of these photos? Cause I've seen some on the, on your page where you're, fully kitted out for winter surfing and it's you know you are like decked out with the gloves the the hood and I, the only thing that i see is like a very small part of your face so it must yeah. it must get pretty cold <laughs> that is the only thing exposed i mean you're covering everything up we're wearing a five mil wetsuit seven mil boots and five mil gloves so yeah it's just your face that's exposed and on the real cold days we'll put petroleum jelly on our faces so the water beads off a little quicker that what? Is, i am yeah. i am impressed with your dedication to this craft because <laughs> if you told me that in order to do a hobby i was going to have to put that suit on and it was going to be that cold i'm going to probably tap out that's impressive yeah <laughs> do, do you have like a like a cut man uh, uh, off to the side like you come in you're like, i need some fresh petroleum now <laughs> lather me up <laughs> lather me up but it's too cold out there man it's too cold <laughs> well okay so let's get through some of the you know some of the basic stuff um we, well you know me because we're cousins and i pretty much forced you to come on the show i i said if you don't come on this show then i i don't know man it's going to be it's going to be weird I was stoked to come on the show. Stoked to hear that you're doing this. This is such a sick podcast. I love all the episodes I've listened to. So I'm really well, honored to be on it. <laughs> you thank you. Thank you. You, at all. you are our first guest. So it's, it's quite an honor to have you on the show and let's, let's just go. I I'm interested for the viewers. Um, and before we get into our normal form listeners, which is what you need, how to get it and how to get out and do it. Um, we're going to go through that tonight and more, but first Quinn, this is about surfing. Okay. This isn't about petroleum jelly. This is about surfing. <laughs> so how did you get started surfing? Yes. I mean, I really started when I was six or seven years old, you know, just, uh, being here on the outer banks, there's not a whole lot to do unless you surf or fish because we're surrounded by water. So it's just one of those things when I was little, my friends were getting into it. My dad was getting into surfing. So I just, you know, was at the beach every day and wanted to start surfing. So I was taking the board from my dad and we were at the beach going surfing, taking boards from friends until I got one of my own and, you know, just kind of built from there when me and the family would go to the beach on the weekends, I would go surf. And then as I got older, going to the beach with my friends throughout the week and then just kept growing. I started doing contests when I was about 10 years old and it's just kept evolving from there on. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and that's, man, we really want to know more about how it evolved because as you know, I mean, we, we caught some waves here when you were visiting the, the California neck of the woods. And I, I took you out to some of my local spots and, you know, I, I, I can catch a wave, Sean, I've seen you out there just absolutely just Dom patrol. Right. Oh, for me? Good Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I have grown up in San Diego, never really been a beach fan. So I, uh, I've, I've attempted surfing one time in Oahu and I failed miserably. So I'm not, not doing it again. It's, it's, this is you guys. I am just sitting here, the humble, humble dude that can't, cannot stand on a board for to save his life. So I'm just impressed with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is good because you always have the best questions from that sort of more casual perspective. So anytime you want to come out with me, just let me know. Um, all right. So let's get into the next thing, which is how long have you been surfing Quentin? Yeah. So like I said, I, I started when I was like six or seven years old, you know, going with my dad and it wasn't until I was about 10 when I started going real often, you know, it'd kind of be the weekends, go one weekend and, not go for a couple of weeks. And it was really only the summertime. So I would really say I started surfing consistently when I was about 11 or 12 years old. That's when I started, you know, surfing 
multiple times a week and surfing all throughout the winter. And how old are you uh, now? I'm 23. Okay. So, you know, I've been, that, I've like, been surfing consistently 10 plus years. Nice. That's dedication to a craft. So yeah. like, <laughs> that's right. Well, thanks for sharing those, those basic facts, get people interested in, in how to, how to become a petroleum jelly model. Um, I think in general, this is going to be a, very enlightening and uh, we're going to get into our form tonight. So let's talk about what you need first and foremost. So I think it's pretty apparent here, Sean, we need some things to, to, to get the job to, done. Um, and we like kind of beating around the bush, but this one's pretty straightforward. You need a surfboard, right? Yeah, I, I, I would assume you'd have to start with a surfboard or I guess boogie board. I mean, if you're just getting out there and just getting started, you can start with that. But I know you have to start with a surfboard. So I know, Quentin, that you're what I would consider more on the professional level of surfing. And so the when when John and I were trying to figure out how we wanted to break up the what you need section, we kind of decided we wanted to ask you what was when you're just starting getting surfing, when you're more of the amateur, like maybe someone listening to this who's like, man, one day I'd love to get to his level, but I've never surfed before. So we kind of want to know what are some of the nice to haves and the must must haves like gear wise or any maybe training or something you can do for what you need for like the amateur beginner. And then maybe stepping up to the next level of more of the professional competitive scene. What are some of the differences in, in gear and stuff that you need for that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the most important thing when you're getting into it is getting the right surfboard to start. So the biggest challenge for people that are just getting into surfing is the paddling. Um, you don't really do anything that build that upper arm strength that you use when you paddle. So, I mean, even if you're a strong weightlifter guy, you don't have the exact muscles it takes to paddle. So everyone struggles paddling. So you want to have a bigger surfboard so you can paddle well to catch waves. That's the most important thing, you know, and any other sport you can kind of start doing it right away, but surfing's the one thing you actually have to work before you can even start surfing. <laughs> I like so, that. I didn't even know that. Yeah. A bigger surfboard is important. So you can start catching waves. A smaller board is going to be harder for you to paddle. It's going to be hard for you to catch waves. You're going to be fighting it the whole time. So if you're starting out a bigger surfboard is important. The other benefit of a bigger surfboard is it's, uh, it's more stable than a smaller surfboard. So it's easier to balance on. It's e everything about it's easier. Um, so Perfect. that's the big thing is getting the right surfboard. So, um, Quinn, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know what board I got when I first came to San Diego? Oh man, you would love it. I got a six one. I think it was, it had to have been 19 liter. It was like razor. <laughs> you could cut butter with it. A potato um, chip. <laughs> I called it, my friends called it the submarine Yeah, because I didn't actually spend much time on the surface. I spent most of my time under, under the water. Um, you, were, you were swimming that board is what I was, I was, I was swimming that board. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't catch many waves, uh, on, on that first board. So I, Hey listeners, I have the, that don't do it. Don't go into play it against sports and just pick up the thing that looks cool and makes you think you're going to be like Kelly Slater, because that's what I thought. I was like, Oh, I, I skateboard. I know how to go longboarding down a hill. How hard could it be? I'll get the thinnest board, the smallest board, and I'll look really cool. And then that's it. Yeah. And that's where it stopped. <laughs> what, what board did you start with actually? So the first surfboard I had was one that my dad found. Um, it was probably six and a half feet, um, really thick probably almost three inches thick and pretty wide. So it had a lot of volume. Oh, nice. Um, you know, and I mean, I was seven years old at the time too. So it was a giant surfboard for me <laughs> at the time. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't anything fancy. You know, I mean, it was beat up. It was yellow. It, it, you don't need a fancy board to start. Um, you definitely don't want to go to the rack and buy a brand new $800 Slater Designs board <laughs> because it's not going to be easy to paddle on. You're, you're going to be wasting your time and your money on it. You know, like I said, 
the sweet spot to kind of look for a board is probably in like the seven foot to eight and a half foot range. You don't want a huge long board because they're kind of tricky. And then you don't really want anything under seven feet because you're going to be swimming it more than surfing it. (laughs) (laughs) So something in that range. And, you know, there's so many used surfboards out there, whether you look on Craigslist on Facebook or a surf shop, that is definitely the most important thing is getting the right surfboard to start. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy. Um, and that's the cool thing, you know, about surfing is you really just need the surfboard to start, you know, that's the bare minimum and you can really get by with the bare minimum. You know, you should hopefully have fins with it to start. Um, the most common fin setup is a thruster fin. So it's three fins. It's pretty universal. Um, long boards will just have one fin. Um, those are good too. And then they start getting fancier where you'll have like the, a quad fin, four fins, and then a twin fin. Um, you really can't go wrong with the thruster fin setup. So that's pretty straightforward. And, you know, when you get a board, it should already come with fins, but. Today it doesn't. doesn't. No, yeah. today, today <laughs> it doesn't. This is not, this does not come with fins. Yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I saw that on an ad, I yeah. think I'd, I'd have a, I definitely have a couple nickels. Yeah. But yeah, if you do get a new one, you're definitely probably going to need to get fins. Yeah. I mean, that's the same thing, you know, future fins, FCS fins are fancy. It's like set you back 120 bucks if you get the new ones, but you don't need the fanciest newest model. You know, I mean, as long as you get fins, plastic fins are good. If you want to spend a little bit of extra, get fiberglass fins or even carbon fins. Is there a brand like for the, for the cheaper ones? Cause I only know FCS and, and futures. There are some littler name brand ones, but no, I couldn't tell you them off the top of my head. Gotcha. It's, it's yeah, it's future fins, which is the big box and FCS with the little ones that snap in. So that's one of those things, you know, definitely starting out, you don't need to go fancy. Um, even as an intermediate surfer, you don't really need to go fancy until you start scratching the surface on like the advanced phase. That's when fins make a big difference. Um, fins are definitely, you know, you can get $40 plastic fins and you're not going to notice a difference. I mean, I switch fins out all the time and I hardly even notice a difference. <laughs> Whoa. Your, your FCS sponsor is going to be going to be like, what? I, I don't even know who you're, I think you're sponsored by some fin company, but yeah, I, I rock t-shirts. <laughs> ah, there you go. They're like, no, man, you can't say that. That's a, that every, it makes a huge difference, huge difference. So, but really like even between the flex, like if you have a carbon fiber fin versus, and again, this is maybe scratching more of the advanced territory, but I'm an engineer. I have to ask this, uh, like, do you actually generate more force and kind of torque at the, at your pivot point up top on the lip when you have a carbon fiber versus like a plastic? Okay. It hundred percent. The thing that I notice is the flex carbon fiber, um, and fiberglass don't flex as much. Whereas the, plastic fins flex like crazy. I can feel it. I'll slide out way easier. I don't get as much drive off of it. Mm, so okay. I had like some carbon fins that definitely felt way better than the plastic fins. So they do make a difference. And then like the rake matters, whether the fins more squished down or more elongated, that also matters. There is a difference, but you have to really be paying attention. That makes sense. To notice it, you know, even at my level, like I'm focusing on the fins when I switch them out. But the big thing is with fins is I'll get a board that I'm not crazy about and I'll put different fins in and then it'll feel good. Um, you know, normally when I got a board that I like, I just, you know, I got the set fins in it and I don't mess with it. But Perfect. If I don't like the board, then I'll kind of start going through different sets of fins and seeing what works for it. How many, how many boards do you have? <sighs> I counted the other day, I think like 12. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's the professional quiver. Uh, and for, for the amateur, you need a single board with fins. We've established this. Um, when do you need a wetsuit Quentin? Cause I know people are going to ask and they're going to want to know how do I feel comfortable? Cause from my point of view, I, I definitely scrounged the surface when I first came out here. I think I had, I had like board shirt shorts to start and I did that for a couple seasons. Cause I would just go for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, jump in the ocean, catch a few waves. Then I transitioned to having, when I was going to like an hour session, I would transition to the top. So then I would still just have board shorts and a top. And that was pretty good. But then when I started consistently surfing in the winter, 
I transitioned to like a full suit. Is that kind of the general, like what you would recommend to a, a more amateur or a, you know, a beginner hobbyist? Yeah. So it definitely depends where you're at. You're lucky being in San Diego where you can surf almost year round and just board shorts and a top, you know, you could go surfing with just that almost year round. Um, the limiting factors, how long you're going to surf before you start getting cold and how much you enjoy your session. Once you start shivering, I personally get cold really easily. So I'll always wear more of a wetsuit because I like surfing a long time. Um, but that's one of those things that depends where you're at. So, you know, if you're somewhere in like Southern California, definitely just starting out, you know, you don't want to spend a lot of money at a tops, a great investment. They're not that expensive. They give you some warmth and you can surf nine months out of the year with that. And, and be good. Um, if you live somewhere like the Outer Banks or Northern California or say New Jersey, you're only going to be able to surf two or three months in that top. And then the water is going to be, get freezing cold where it's dangerous to be surfing without a wetsuit. So it's one oh. of those things, you know, it depends if you live somewhere where you need to buy a wetsuit, definitely going to, you're going to be buying a wetsuit almost instantly with your surfboard. But if you're somewhere else, um, it just comes down to, you know, your personal preference. I like staying warm. You know, even today I surfed here and most people weren't wearing a wetsuit. I had a little spring suit on just to stay warm. Now, if you are, are suits specifically sized like to your body or they're just general sizes and you just have to kind of hope your body fits. It's general sizes. There are some wetsuit companies where you can get a custom wetsuit. Um, definitely going to cost you a couple bucks. <laughs> yeah. But in general, um, I ride XL wetsuits. They're, um, or wear XL wetsuits. They're great suits. It's like small, medium, short, medium, medium, tall. Um, you know, there's a range of sizes, but it's pretty standard, but there are a lot, you know, it's not like small, medium, large. And you want it to fit like a second skin. That's one common misconception I know exists in the amateur world. Yes. You definitely want it to be snug. Um, you know, all the what two companies have the size chart, but you definitely don't want to have any like rolls throughout your wetsuit being too large. And then you don't want it to be super tight. You're going to know if it's too small, you won't really be able to get in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the worst. Yeah. You definitely, the, the size charts pretty standard. Um, I fit right inside, inside the size chart for my wetsuit size. And then, um, you know, it's one of those things, try it on, make sure it fits you right. And you're good for it. You take care of it. You rinse it out with fresh water, dry it out every time. It's going to last you for years. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you this. I don't know if you feel this way, Quentin, but trying on wetsuits is probably the most awkward thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Going to specifically, I'm here to try on wetsuits. They're like, okay. I will keep them coming. You're like, dude, I don't know how many more I can do. This is ridiculous. I'm burning up. Yeah. You're dying hot. Not, not meant for uh, changing rooms. Mm -mm. Like start sweating and you're like, okay, dude, I can do one more. I'll come back later. You're in that little enclosed. (laughs) It's like you're banging your head. Oh man. It's, it's good. Sean, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You got to go and at least go down to hangar 94 or like in the O'Neill shop and just start, just try on some wetsuits, man. It's an experience. There, there are certain parts of my body that I don't want to see suctioned up to a wetsuit. I'm so good. (laughs) (laughs) I am so good. Uh, I will leave that to you guys, but we've got, uh, we've got the surfboard. We've got a wetsuit, depending on where you live. I, I, another question I had was, are there training? Um, like, is there training you can do? There are there classes that you recommend people take as kind of an amateur, like some sort of a, what you need type thing for classes, or do you recommend just someone get out there and do it consistently? Definitely. Um, you can get surf lessons anywhere in the world. There's always surf shops that offer surf lessons. Um, so if you're asking from that side of things with surfing, yeah, you can definitely go to surf shops, get surf lessons, um, super, super beginner level, or is, you know, they're helping you catch waves and then 
a lot of places will offer, you know, intermediate and advanced surf lessons. Um, surfing is one of those things where the best practice for it is doing it itself, you know, building up your arms, getting your balance, just being comfortable in the ocean. Um, reading waves is something we haven't even touched on. That's huge thing on its own. Um, so that's good. Just, you know, surfing is good to get better at it, but there is other cross training, you know, I mean, just being in shape in general is good. So, I mean, being good cardio shape, running any activity, definitely building up your arms. I feel like the best workout for paddling is a lot of, um, light weight and high repetition and like almost your own body weight. So like a lot of push ups, pull ups and stuff like that. Definitely. I can't think of all the workouts, but there definitely are some, you know, little workouts you can do light stuff. You know, I, I've had guys tell me don't lift anything more than a can of soup because you're using a lot of micro muscles when you paddle and stuff. So, you know, if you're curling 50 pounds, you're not using those big biceps and triceps when you're paddling. Um, then, you know, you can do leg workouts too, but the biggest thing that a beginner is going to feel is their arms are going to be burned out on their first paddle out and very quickly throughout the session, unless you're surfing a big point break, or you lucky enough to go to Kelly Slater's wave pool, your legs aren't going to be getting tired surfing. <laughs> it's all arms catching waves. Oh, and you forgot. You're also going to feel like you're drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm a, uh, I, I don't, I just remember almost dying a number of times here on the, on the Southern California coast. I'm not trying to scare the, the listeners, but I think this leads into our next point of what you need. And we always bring it out here on the how to hobby podcast. And that is, you got to bring a positive attitude to the table when starting off in a, in a physical hobby like this, because it's going to break you down a number of times in the beginning. And for me personally, I'd, I'd be interested to know what your, what your uh, transition was Quinn. But for me, it took me probably a year of consistently going before I was starting to build confidence. Now I was starting to obviously have fun doing it or I wouldn't have been going, but it, it was difficult to do and it didn't really get easier until it just started getting easier, which that sounds really, it's a, it's a tough learning curve. It is. Surfing's really tr tricky. Like I said earlier, it's one of the few sports where you have to work to even start doing it. So it's definitely repetitions, the biggest thing going and surfing consistently. But yeah, I mean, it's tricky. You're going to have a lot of days where definitely starting out, you want to go on the smaller, nicer days. You don't want to be going out when it's big and rough. You will definitely feel like you're drowning from the start. There's a lot of days where the ocean dictates you won't even get out to catch any waves. It's going <laughs> to tell you very <laughs> abruptly, stay on the beach today. <laughs> yeah, I, so, I, I know, like to go on the, the nice sun, shiny days. So I feel yeah. I feel good. Uh, and, and it's just, it's a nice positive experience instead of the stormy ro rollers coming to, coming to beat me up, but yeah. I'm sure that's what you live for out there on the OBX. Definitely. We have a lot of days like that here on the outer banks where it's big <laughs> stormy, <laughs> super, super rough. It's a battle just to even make it out. Um, but it all depends where you're at, you know, in California, you, you get a lot of longer period swell. So it's easier to get out. It's easier to get good rides. And then if you live somewhere on the East coast, you're going to get a lot of short period swells. So it's going to be a lot more work. Um, you definitely want to try and pick the right days when you're beginning. Um, the smaller and the calmer days, it's going to be easier to get a lot of waves, but those bigger days that are rough are also good too. You know, your wave count might not be as high, but you're going to be building your arms up. You're going to be learning a lot about the ocean going to be learning a lot about how to fall and how to handle yourself in those situations when it gets rough. Um, like you said, you definitely want to have a positive attitude with it because you're going to have days where it doesn't seem like anything's going to go right with it. You can't get out, can't catch a wave. You finally make it out then you fall on a wave. You can't get back out. It's surfing's crazy like that. You know, it's everything can go so smoothly one day and then the next day it all falls apart. <laughs> What a, what a, what a life we live. It yeah. sounds a lot like life, uh, the yeah. roller coaster of life, which is great. And that's why I love it. But this is the big moment. We got a question for you and this is pertaining specifically to your, your status as an amateur surfer. What are the things that you felt brought your surfing to the next level? 
Yeah. Um, definitely the biggest thing is just surfing consistently, um, going out every day. I mean, from when I was like 12, yeah, like 11 or 12 on, I mean, I was surfing every single day, whatever the conditions were. So that's the biggest thing starting out. Like I said, you definitely want to pick the right days, but as you start progressing, you know, getting intermediate, definitely advanced surf every single day. Um, repetition, just figuring out the waves. That's most important thing is just surfing consistently. Um, big thing too, for me, was doing contests when I was younger that really pushed me to get better. Um, surfing with people that are better than you is the best thing to do too. You know, with I feel like any sport, um, they're going to give you a lot of helpful advice. You're going to pick up on things that they do and they're just going to push you in general. Interesting. So, and is there any gear since we are in the, what you need, is there any gear specifically that you use that maybe an amateur wouldn't use? Um, you know, it's, it's all straightforward. You know, you're going to have a surfboard with fins, um, get a <laughs> leash. That was the one thing we forgot to mention is definitely get a good leash to start. That's your lifeline in a sense to so get a good leash. And then, you know, you know, if the water's, everyone's going to be wearing, wearing the same kind of wetsuit depending on the water temperature. So there's not really a big difference with the actual gear. It's just the level of the gear, you know? So I'm going to be wearing a wetsuit surfboard with fins and a leash. I just might have, you know, more performance shape board than someone that would be starting out, but it's the same exact stuff. There's not that big of a difference. Perfect. You're right. We did completely forget the leash, but we're adding it in here at the very end of what you need. And that's, that's what you need. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first QT. You need a board, you need fins and you need a leash, except for my buddy who rides in Elia. He doesn't need fins, but we'll leave that for another more advanced topic on surfing. I'm sure Sean is dying to know more about my crazy buddy with no fins, uh, but that's next time. So let's jump into our second question of the, or topic of the night, which is how to get it. So there's obviously a number of ways to get it and get these things we've mentioned. You even kind of alluded to it earlier, Quentin, about, um, you know, the various channels you can use to, to get things. But when you were starting out, you got your board out of a, tr- out of a trash can, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think that was where my dad found it. I think it was out on the road or it was getting thrown out. The board was beat up. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So clearly if we're not bringing you guys uh, to the bottom here of the barrel, quite literally, you don't need the top of the line gear to become a a very accomplished surfer. Um, But yeah, let's, so, you know, you're, you're in the, out there in the outer banks, most people would go to either, would you say that it would be online or is it still mostly in-person sales and used market? Um, definitely the surf shop is the go-to still for most everybody. Um, but you know, online is a good place to get stuff too. It's not something that I really look at a whole lot to get surfing equipment. You know, I just like straight up going to the surf shop, you know, they got brand new stuff and most surf shops have used equipment too. For surfboards, definitely you can get used surfboards at surf shops, but I think for getting used wetsuits and stuff and other surfing equipment, it might be a little easier to find them on, you know, Facebook or Craigslist. I don't really see used wetsuits very often in surf shops or used fins or anything like that. Would you buy a used wetsuit? Mm, no, <laughs> but <laughs> you can, if you need it to. <laughs> yeah, you can, if you need it to. It's, it's one of those things. Um, Wetsuits definitely aren't cheap, but it's a good investment. I would say definitely starting out a used surfboard, but if you get a new wetsuit yourself, it's going to last way longer. You might pay a hundred dollars for a used wetsuit that's already starting to fall apart. And then within six months, you're not going to be enjoying it. It's worth it to pay the little extra money, take good care of it yourself. And it's going to last you for years. This is a big one right here. And right now in the, in the how to hobby land, do you wear underwear or board shorts underneath a wetsuit? Nothing. <laughs> okay. And is I that can, the- it just bothers me. That's definitely what most everybody does. That's been doing it for years. Okay. So that's the, that's the pro way of doing it. But 
Towel uh, change. Um, Towel you know, change. <laughs> master the art. Yeah. Compression shorts aren't bad though. Um, I know some people okay. that use that and I mean, I know people that will use wear or wear compression shorts, um, with their board shorts and stuff kind of helps with the rashes too. Ah, that's true. Definitely no board shorts. That'll rash you up and be very uncomfortable. Compression shorts or nothing. <laughs> Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. We got to, we got to specify that for our listeners. Um, okay. So we have a number of ways to get boards, just like any, or well, boards and gear, just like any, uh, any today. I don't, I haven't looked on Amazon. Who knows? Maybe they have, I'm sure they have wetsuits. Uh, I do, I have used evo.com in the past, uh, which is, which is a, they sell like last year's wetsuits and that's kind of a good option. If you're, you know, go online. I, I definitely have bought wetsuits online listeners and they, they're fine. The only problem is you can't try them on. You can't, you know, get into the stall and, and get sweaty. So you, you take a risk with it, not fitting, but uh, maybe it's actually a little bit more worth it in the end. Cause you just have it come to your house. Um, All right. So this is another one we're really interested in here at how to hobby Quentin. And so you are an amateur surfer. What does that mean in the sense of how to get it for you? So are you getting boards for free and gear for free at this point in your career? Yes, I do get a whole lot of my gear for free, which is nice for my sponsors and definitely helps out a whole lot. Um, cause it's not cheap, especially when I go through a lot of it so quickly. <laughs> um, you know, I, like I said, I got a lot of surfboards, but I can break, I've broken multiple surfboards in one day and gone through a lot of boards, you know, one week swell and same thing with my wetsuits and everything, you know, gear wears out, you take good care of it, you use it, you know, a moderate amount, it'll last you years. But when I'm surfing every single day, my wetsuits will wear out quicker. My surfboards wear out much quicker too. The surfboards I'm riding are class lighter. So they take a beating. Um, so it's nice to have sponsors to help me out with that stuff. And, and what are the current sponsors, if you don't mind us asking that provide you with the surfing related gear? Yeah. So Salty Cruise, the clothing brand I ride for, Lost Surfboards is the surfboards I ride. Um, XL wetsuits are the wetsuits I wear. And then um, Future Fins are the fins I have. And then ProLite are the um, traction pads that I have on my board. Oh, okay. Wow. So there is a number of things that that can kind of come your way. And what did it take to you know, to really get your first sponsor. And then from there, did the floodgates just open or was it a process that took time? Yeah, it's definitely a process that took time. Um, it started out when I was little doing surf contests. That's the easiest way, you know, to get your name out there and get in front of, um, companies faces and stuff. So for me, it started out getting sponsored by a local surf shop, secret spot surf shop here on the outer banks. And that all started from doing local ESA contests. And then it kind of went from there, you know, where you go with the surf shop and then different companies are coming in the surf shop, wetsuits, surfboards, um, stuff like that. And then they hear about you or the people at the surf shop tell them about you. So they, start getting new stuff. So it kind of, you know, builds from there, but definitely the best way to start is getting, getting in surf contest. Um, social media is big, you know, just doing stuff on social media, but definitely getting with a surf shop and that's the best way to start. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that, Sean. I think you had some additional questions here you wanted to ask Quentin. Uh, so take it away. Yeah. So I, one of the main questions I wanted to ask pertains to the the struggle to get gear. And I know that for a lot of people, including myself, that drive, that grind to either get new gear or to buy the latest thing or to get whatever, you know, like the newest, you know, carbon fiber fins or whatever it is, that grind is really what drives the passion because you know you have to work every day to get there. Did you find that when you started getting sponsorships that you, did you still have that grind now that you are able to maybe get some of that gear? Did it give you even more passion because now you, you 
uh, have more gear that you can go out and you can try harder. So I'm just kind of curious how the, the grind changed when you started getting sponsorships and, and how that changed the passion, if it did at all. Yeah, it definitely, um, it motivated me a whole lot more, you know, made me push myself a lot more and make me work harder in a sense, because I felt like, you know, I had more people looking at me and, you know, expecting more out of me, I guess is the right word. You know, when I was just myself, it was just, you know, personally and wanting to break through, which was definitely a big motivating factor. But then once, you know, I got sponsors, it kind of shifted in a sense. So it definitely gave me a different kind of motivation. Um, you know, it's definitely nice having new equipment and stuff like that, but it made me really want to do good while using that stuff to show the companies that are giving it to me. Got it. That's kind of what I figured. I, I yeah. just had to ask, cause I know if I was getting sponsorships, I would definitely feel like I was being watched and so I'd have to, I'd try that little extra even harder. So it sounds like it, it might've, um, it helped inflame your passion even more because now you're, you're pushing yourself harder. So my next question is how do you maintain a sponsorship? So is it like they require a certain number of competitions or is there something like that? Do you just have a good relationship with them and they continue sponsoring you? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Definitely. Okay. You know, some contracts they have certain stipulations where they require you to do stuff and then other ones, you know, it's just a relationship like that where, they're sending you stuff, you're promoting it and you, you, you end up having a friendship with the guys and stuff. So it's a little bit of both, but definitely, um, the more you do the better, but it's not always like a crazy contract where you got to meet all these requirements. Got it. Cool. That answered mm -hmm. my question. I was just, yeah. I've never met anyone that had a sponsorship in anything that they've, they've been, they've worked on. So that's really cool. And I'm glad I was able to pick your brain. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for that. We're going to jump into our final topic of the evening. Listeners, this one is how to get out and do it and do it well. The how to hobby way QT has been doing a great job of laying it down. Just so smooth tonight, how to do these things, how to get into a wetsuit and some of the techniques that may may differ between you know an amateur more beginner hobbyist and somebody like himself we already found out one he puts petroleum jelly on his face to keep the 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 cold water off which is something i didn't know about but i may try it this winter um quentin obviously you mentioned it a number of times throughout the the podcast tonight and that was you just have to get out and do this as consistently as you can, correct? And is there a, a specific time or time frame that you're kind of looking for? I mean, is this something you could learn over a summer and get pretty good, or is it going to be a year investment of time before you're seeing some some good improvements? Um, it depends. Everybody's different, but I've definitely seen people pick it up within a summer become pretty good surfers. It's cool. Um, seeing lifeguards here on the Outer Banks, you'll get people that are great swimmers from Ohio that have never really been to the beach and they're athletes. They come to the ocean for the summer they pick up surfing and, you know, the first week they can barely get out, barely stand up on the board. And by the end of summer, they're good surfers. Um, so it's easier for some people, especially if you're um, able to surf every single day and you have that access. Um, if you're able to get out, you know, on the weekends, it will take you a little bit longer to see progress like that, but it's definitely something, you know, if you have the time you put in the time, you can see progress within a couple of weeks and be able to surf well within, you know, three, four month period. And definitely within a year, if you stay consistent with it. And once you get your initial breakthrough moment of, oh, I'm actually pretty confident out there on the, on the ocean. When do you then, cause now, at least for myself, I've been surfing for probably seven years now, I think if not even, I mean, on and off, I'm, I hate to admit this. I'm probably at over 10 years as well, but, um, I'm just not as good as you. So, um, <laughs> like that breakthrough moment though, is kind of important. I think, I mean, I, over a number of years, I can go out now and still catch waves and have fun. Um, but would you say that's like 
that first year, that first four month period. And then that the next season that you start again, if you take a little break, I mean, I'm assuming on the outer banks, not everybody surfs through the winter, right? Yeah, definitely. I get what you're saying. Like that breakthrough moment where everything kind of clicks. Um, it's hard to say, you know, I definitely, I feel like you have a lot of breakthroughs in a sense with a lot of sports where, you know, everything kind of clicks and you have those magic couple sessions or rides or whatever, everything, everything feels great. And then, you know, life comes up, you can't get out for a little bit and then you kind of fall back a little bit. Um, but definitely, you know, um, you'll have those, you'll have those days or weeks where you get out a whole lot and things click, you know, you figure out little things that work for you. You keep those thoughts in your head and you definitely will have that where it's like, you feel like you're on a plateau and then all of a sudden something clicks, someone says something to you, you get a feeling and you progress a whole lot and then kind of brings you up to the next level. And then, you know, you might go down a little bit, but you'll kind of stay up there and find, you know, your new, new level for a while and then hopefully make it back up to the next peak. (laughs) Well, Sean, I think you had another question here pertaining to this, this specific section. Uh, shoot. Are we, are we talking about the, the advice one? Or are we talking about the, the upper echelon one? The, up, the upper echelon. Okay. So this, it, I mean, I feel like you might've pretty much answered this through a lot of it is my question before we started this, cause I'm very unfamiliar with surfing is what does it take to get to that upper echelon and how do you maintain it by upper echelon? I mean, someone who is, you know, as uh, does contests and things like that. But I think you've pretty much answered that as you've gone through, it pretty much requires practice. You just continue practicing and, and really devote your time to it. And I think that is, but that that's how I think it is with most hobbies. I think if you, if you really want to get good, you really just have to buckle down and accept that it's just going to take some time to get there. Do you agree? Definitely. I agree. Um, time's the biggest thing. Um, staying consistent with it. Um, learning from other people, but honestly, I mean, I feel like with every sport, everyone's kind of got their niche, you know, certain people excel, Mm -hmm. everyone's body's different. Um, I know people that have been surfing for a long time and they're good surfers, but they're not phenomenal surfers. Um, but they're phenomenal at other sports. It's one of those things. Yeah. (laughs) John's over here pointing at himself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You can't be the best at everything. Um, even if you want to be, you're, you can be good at everything. Um, but it's tough to be, you know, amazing at everything. So it's one of those things where certain things are going to come a little easier to you and you're going to excel a little quicker at them than others. Um, what, so yeah. what came easy to you when it, when we're talking about maneuvers, because I think this is kind of could bring some value to the listeners. Obviously getting on a wave is important for getting out and doing it, but in the beginning, you're probably going to be riding a lot of whitewater and that's sort of your, 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 your start into the sport. Once I started actually getting on the wave and riding the face of the wave and maybe making a little turn here or, uh, you know, having that perfect alignment with the ocean and the way that the wave crested, those were some of my favorite moments, but from a more amateur perspective, uh, what were the big plateaus in your, in your surfing that you remember to this day? The biggest thing for me, I mean, like you're saying, um, getting on waves and doing turns is a big progression. It's awesome when you start feeling that. And then, you know, it's not like a big change. You start going down the line, you start doing turns and it's kind of a gradual thing where your turns just start getting bigger and better and sharper. So you don't have this crazy, like, Whoa, it clicked. But the biggest thing for me, where it was like that click feeling was doing airs, you know, it started out being able to get in the air and then took me a long time to start landing them. And it was like one day, all of a sudden, like it just clicked. Like I went, you know, months of getting up there without landing them. And then it was like one day I landed five and one day I was like, what, what the heck? (laughs) Wow. Um, So it was like going from not landing any to like all of a sudden landing five of them. And one day it was like, just clicked. But then it was like weeks went by again before I landed another one. So, you know, it's, it's those hills, hills and valleys with sports, but that was a big thing. Like when it started clicking for airs, because it was one of those things where it's like, you felt it like that, you know, you're not landing them. And then all of a sudden it clicks. So what, big- uh, 
I'm, I'm curious, can you do air reverses as well? Like what, cause you, yeah. you keep pushing once you get like the air, when you're talking your first airs, was it a up and over onto the, onto the roof or were you trying to actually do like a 180? Yeah. So it was mostly straight airs were the ones I started landing first. Um, definitely the air reverses were the ones that I was really stoked to land. Um, that was the ones, you know, you can, it's one of those things where it's like a straight air, like you're talking about where you go up and land on the roof. Um, you can kind of, we call it like a credit card air where it's like, you barely like come up. It's like your fins almost don't leave the water. So it's one of those things you're like, did, Oh, you kind of got in the air. You kind of didn't <laughs> the air reverse is definitely, um, and it's, it's big because you're completely coming out you're spinning your tail all the way around backwards and then you're backwards. Then you have to spin yourself back out straight. So that was a big one for me. Um, I really remember when I started landing my first couple air reverses. Um, it was one of those things with straight airs. It's like, man, did I really do an air? You know, when I was 11, 12. Um, so yeah, air reverses was a big one for me. That's definitely a big one. And then doing a full rotation where you spin all the way around, you don't even land backwards. You go all the way back forward again. That's definitely, you know, pushing the level of it, progressing a whole lot more. Did you get your first barrel first or air first? Barrel, definitely barrel. Definitely barrel. So that that's the next, cause that's where I'm at. I got my first yeah. barrel, uh, probably, I don't know, last winter or last summer. And, nice. um, I haven't aired yet. So I'm, I'm still waiting to, to, to for Red Bull to give me wings. Yeah. <laughs> Keep on drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not that's a sponsor. What they, that's what they would tell you. It's just a couple more Red Bulls. <laughs> That's the secret. We left that one out of the, what you need, but really (laughs) what you need is some Red Bull to do the full 360. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, that's great. Oh, so what do you prefer barrel or air more? Barrel 100%. Um, (laughs) It's one of those things that depends where you're at, but the outer banks has great barrels and um, it's hard to describe like the feeling you get when you get a really good barrel it's intense time almost kind of stands still when you get a really good barrel whereas airs are cool but good barrel definitely beats a good air 100 percent. i remember seeing like a poll in a surfing magazine years ago and it was something like that would you rather land a rodeo flip so that crazy backflip thing or get like uh i think it was a really good barrel you know a pipeline or something it was like 95 percent chose the barrel even though so many people get barreled but and so few of people land the rodeo flip it's just the barrels that much cooler oh man yeah it looked like the one that i got in it was kind of like a, a windshield wiper effect but way faster than i ever would have thought yeah. like you you in your mind you think you understand what it would look like but when it actually happened i was like that's what happened yeah. <laughs> like in mid barrel. I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> Oh man. Uh, I'm still, I, I need more Red Bull, man. Sean, yeah. I can tell Sean is like, I, I can see the passion in his eyes. I think he wants to go get a wetsuit and he's ready to jump out of his chair and jump it right into a barrel. Sean, you got something on your mind over there. I do. So for me, it, let's say I wanted to get into surfing I feel the place in which I would be most intimidated is trying to get into the surfing community because I feel like there's such a stigma, at least on the West coast where surfers have kind of this air of like, you know, don't touch my wave. Like there there's this, the the surfing community can be kind of competitive. And so I'm curious to get your opinion from someone who is a part of the surfing community is what is it like? Is it, is it accepting to new people who want to just learn or is it more kind of learn on your own and then join? That's a great question. And, um, surfing's crazy because there's only a finite amount of waves coming in. I mean, obviously there's plenty of waves getting created by wind all the time, but at the same time, you know, there's not, you know, skate parks always there. The mountains are always there to bike down. Um, <laughs> only, you know, that one wave's going to come in whatever amount of time, you know, that's, that's going to come and then it's going to go flat again for a little bit. So you do have that where people, you know, kind of are getting greedy and everyone's fighting to get their wave. Everyone wants to surf and there's only so many waves coming in and there's so many people. So it's definitely one of those things where definitely as a newcomer, um, and it all depends. Everyone's, you know, you got nice people and you got mean people in the world. So it just depends who you run into when you're 
starting out surfing, but definitely as a new person, um, you're going to want to try and surf the not so popular beaches that are crowded. Um, one, because it's hard to catch waves when there's a lot of people. So it's better if you go off on your own because when waves do come in, you're going to get to go. So you're probably not going to be surfing the highest quality wave, but wave count is way better than quality when you're starting out. So it's definitely better to kind of start getting, um, getting it figured out on your own etiquette's a big thing in surfing. So, you know, you don't want to drop in on anybody. You want to try and stay out of um, someone's way when they're riding a wave. You want to be courteous with the number of waves you catch. You don't want to catch wave after wave after wave and no one else has caught waves. So it's good to kind of learn that etiquette and familiarize yourself with it. Um, I wouldn't say by yourself, but in a smaller group, you know, um, with some other people that are kind of starting out. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, in the surfing world, if, it's one of your first time surfing and you paddle out to the popular spot, to the popular peak, you're probably going to hear from somebody <laughs> about it, but definitely people are very welcoming. Um, you know, you're going to meet people that are into it. You're going to meet great friends in it. you're going to meet people that are helping you out. Um, it's definitely one of those things. It's better to start a little slower. Um, it's better for you and it's better for everybody in the lineup too. Cause it's one of those things that can be a bit dangerous, you know, in bigger waves, if someone's going down the wave and you don't realize you're not supposed to go, you hit into them or, you know, you run over somebody. So definitely take your time, go to the less popular spots, surf the wave that's got fewer people on it when you're starting out and you're going to meet people, you're going to progress that way. And it's going to be better in the long run. You're going to enjoy it a whole lot more. You're not going to have a bad experience. Perfect. But that was great. One more thing we got to go over before we kind of close out the show here this, this evening. And this is a technique that you are going to need to understand and do. Uh, I'm sure Quentin has some insight on it, but to be able to get out into the lineup consistently without feeling like you're drowning is it actually takes some skills. And one of the biggest ones being the duck dive where you actually have to point your board under the wave and not get smashed with, uh, with the full force of the water. So Quentin, do you have any tips for some beginners with, with regards to getting out to the peak, um, and, and doing it well when you're starting? Yeah. So duck diving, that's the most important thing. You're going to duck dive way, way more than you're going to catch waves or anything else. That's the thing you're going to do the most. Um, it depends on the size board you're riding. If you're riding a real big board, like seven, seven plus feet, it's going to be tough to duck dive. Um, so it's one of those things you're going to try to find the right board for you. You know, like I said, bigger boards are going to be easier for you to start out on, but you're going to lose some duck diving abilities and the smaller board, you're going to be able to duck dive well, but it's going to be tough for you to catch waves. Um, if you're on a bigger board, you can still get under it. So you're going to duck dive. It's like you're doing a push up. You're going to push real hard with your arms to start getting the nose down. And then with either your knee or your foot, depending on the size of the board, you're going to start pushing down with that kind of do scooping motion, dip your head down and then come up. Um, most important thing is, you know, getting a little bit of speed going into the wave as you do it, then, you know, getting under it at all is going to help out. Um, if it's a real big wave, that's about to crash on you. You can ditch your board. If you got to you definitely want to make sure there's not someone right behind you when you ditch. And then another thing that people do with long boards is a turtle roll. So you just roll upside down. <laughs> that's, <laughs> That's kind of a better go-to never, thing with a bigger board. <laughs> never mastered that one. I see yeah. people do it and I, uh, I go, I don't, I just don't know, man. It feels dangerous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But definitely duck diving, you know, you're going to push real hard with your arms, push with your knee and just dip down, you know, even getting your head under the water a couple inches is going to make a big difference instead of that white water just plowing straight into you. Big thing is you just want to look at the waves. You want to try and find a rip current or anything where the waves aren't breaking as much and try and slide out right there. That's the best thing where, where it looks like you want to surf probably is not the best spot to paddle out. You want to try and look where there aren't any waves and paddle out there. Perfect. So once they get out, they have their board, they have their leash and they've got all the things they need to get them out to the lineup. They duck dive perfectly. They get out to the lineup. What are you then looking for to get your first wave? So starting out, um, you just want a wave that looks the right size for you. Um, 
and you're in the right position for. So you want a way that's, it's one of those things that's hard to describe by talking, but it's easy to see when you see, and it's kind of going to be a little bit of trial and error. You want a way that looks like it's getting ready to break, but that's, that's not going to break on top of you. So like I said, it's trial and error. You're going to go for a wave. And if it looks like it's going to break and you paddle for it and you can't catch it, you're probably, you know, too far out. That wave wasn't going to break. And then you might go for one and it might break on your back. So that one you were too close in on. So like I said, it's a little bit of trial and error. That's the thing with surfing. It's, it's fun because of that, but it can be tricky where you're going to get out there and you're going to wait for that wave that looks right. One that looks like it's going to break, but not break on your back. Then you're going to turn and start paddling. Um, Starting out, going straight is fine. As you start getting more advanced, you want to look for a wave that's tapered in a certain direction. So if it's big at one spot and then it starts getting smaller down the line, that's going to be the direction the wave's breaking. So you want to try and take off towards the peak and go down the line towards the smaller section of the wave. That's something as you start getting better, you'll start looking out for. But definitely when you get into it, just um, getting out there, waiting for a wave that looks good, and then just giving it some good paddles. <laughs> and the all important question, what do you do when you claim it? Yeah. <laughs> is that something you do? Do you claim dude? What does it take for you to claim a way? Oh man. I, <laughs> it all depends. Some people like claiming claiming is one of the things that I really don't do. Um, uh, but if okay. you get away, that's that special. I mean, it's one of those things, you know, you do something that's that good. You can't help, but you know, <laughs> I'm you a claimer, dude. Yeah. <laughs> And if you got the feeling, it's the right time to do it. You know, if it feels that special <laughs> to you, <laughs> I mean, I won't claim surfing, but if I make a putt golfing or something, I'm throwing my arms up in the air. So <laughs> same thing, you know, I'm not going to claim surfing, but if I make a putt, <laughs> heck, so, if I threw a, if I threw a balled up napkin in the trash can across the room and make it, I'm pr- throwing a claim. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you never claimed when you were up, you know, coming up through the ranks of, of surfing? Claimed when I was younger. There's definitely times in surf contests when you get a wave at the end that I claimed. Um, Thinking back to the last time I've claimed now, it's been years. I I can't remember the last time, but I did when I was younger, 100%. Okay. I see. I think when in contest, I claimed and certain good waves I claimed or definitely more so um, in the competitive arena, you get a really good wave at the end of the heat when you need a score or something, you, you know, the emotions get you in your claim. The emotions get, see the emotions yeah. get me every time because I just yeah. don't go enough. So if I get a special wave, I just yell and just, it's, it's so, I mean, I don't, I don't really like raise my arms up, but I mainly yeah. just, just get a, get a little loud about it. And, uh, yeah. people, most of the time people aren't around because I'm, I'm crazy, but that's all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a social right. thing. Yeah. Very social. Sean. You're going to close us out with one of the, one of the best questions you've ever thought of. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, so the, the final question we got, Quentin, is uh-huh. looking back on your surfing journey, is there a piece of advice that if you had to give it to your 11, 12 year old self, who's just getting into doing contests and you're really doesn't, doesn't know at that point that this is something you're going to be doing for the next 10 plus years you know, now you're seeing your 23 talking to somebody on a podcast about it. Is there one piece of advice you would have given to yourself back then that might've helped you uh, in your journey here? Um, honestly, you know, I don't think that there'd be like a single like advice to say to myself besides just really enjoy it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things I got into it because I loved it and I think the most important thing is still loving it now. You know, you don't want to get to the point where you lose the fun in it or it becomes something that you don't enjoy anymore. So that's the biggest thing I'll tell myself, which definitely at 12, that's the only reason I did it is because I loved it and enjoyed it. And still now, you know, I love it and enjoy it, but there's definitely been times where, you know, you can lose a little bit of that love. It can become too, you can start putting too much pressure on yourself. So that's definitely the way I look at it now. And definitely want to always keep that mindset is that I love it and enjoy it. And that's what I'd say to anybody who gets into it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Quentin, for coming on the how to hobby podcast. This has been such a joy for both Sean and I, 
we're, we're just beaming. We've enjoyed every minute of it. And is there anything that you have going on in your life that you want to let out there in the listeners, you know, can they, we'll, we'll, we'll tag you in the, in the link on Instagram. So if people want to go and follow you, um, they can do that and, and, and really just see what you're giving it, giving out there, because you're not only just a surfer, you know, you're a waterman, you're a full-time captain. Uh, you're, you're out there swimming with sharks, spear fishing. Uh, I mean, you just have a lot of passion for life, which is so awesome. So thanks for, for coming out here. Uh, listeners definitely give Quentin a follow. If you, um, like what he was saying, he has a, a lot of things that he does every single day all around the water. And it's very cool to see. So, um, we, we urge you to do that. Um, and anything else you want to add before we, we, we cut off for the night, Quentin. No, I think you touched on it. Definitely. I'd love for anybody who wants to keep up with what I'm doing. Follow me on Instagram. It's where I definitely post a lot of stuff. Um, and then I post a little bit on YouTube as well, but primarily Instagram. So be stoked for anybody who's getting handle? in, uh, on Instagram, you know, Quentin underscore Turco and YouTube's the same thing. Just Quentin or Turco. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, Thanks so much. Thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to episode 10, our special episode on surfing tonight. Man, you guys really did a great job. I'm so happy uh, to be able to have this conversation with you guys tonight. And it's been a lot of fun. Sean, as always, you're bringing that, 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 that just positive attitude. I love it. Quentin, you did great. Thanks so much once again. And we will talk to you guys, all of you listeners on our next episode of how to hobby podcast. Don't forget to follow us, uh, on the, wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, and other than that, you guys have a great night. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys.